Pastor Russ talked to me the other day in the midst of uh, um, things that he's going through, and he asked me to, to come, and what a privilege. I love to come here. I know lots of folks here. The Lord has given us an opportunity, me and my wife, to, to come and minister uh, to you. Would you please stand as we read God's word, Matthew uh, chapter 6, verse 7. And you'll see a familiar theme going on here as I read and as we do our message. Verse 7, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. No, heard a lot. And so the title of our lesson today is Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. As Jesus continued to teach uh, messages on what is called the Sermon on the Mount, which is Jesus identifying or establishing ways in which his followers, his children, believers, would be led by him in living a life of loving God and others and submission to his will and acceptance of God's glorious invitation to enter into his kingdom and to follow him. Today's text is familiar to some. One might can say, uh, I can recite that by heart. The Lord's Prayer, I can do that by memory. I've said it so many times. I would say on today, let's let Jesus reveal what's in the Lord's Prayer. He wants to reveal the heart of prayer for us today, the Lord's Prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer. It's the Our Father. It's a model of prayer that he gave to us. For there is one line in, that, in this modeled prayer that Jesus could not pray, and it is, forgive us. And Jesus had nothing to be forgiven of. He is the spotless lamb of God. So may we follow him today by asking, say this with me, Lord. Teach us to pray. Before he teaches us to pray through the Lord's Prayer, first, he wants to teach us how not to pray. Uh, verse 7 of Matthew um, 6, it says, and when you, and, and when you, when I, what I hear is him talking to believers specifically. 
And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases like the Gentiles, for they think, key words, think, empty, that they will be heard by many words. Think, empty, many. Jesus is saying how not to pray in vain repetition or uh, emptiness or meaningless or with idle words. In the Greek, is called to babble, to just go on and on and on and on, blah, blah, blah. Just mostly words, Jesus is saying. With, with, with no meaning. It's, it's, it's all lips and no heart and mind. It's, it's, it's about quantity, but he's after quality, which is a sincere heart. Yes, he does want us to pray without ceasing over and over. I remember me and my wife, we were on our way back from uh, my mother-in-law's house and uh, she was staying in uh, Des Moines at the time. And uh, in reference to prayer, we, we were on our way back. And every time you journey, you know, you want to pray before you go on a journey, right? So we had forgot to pray. And we were getting ready to get on the interstate. And I was like, honey, she's driving now. I said, honey, we forgot to pray. And you know what she did while she's driving, getting on the interstate, she did like this. And I say, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Sometimes in the midst of kind of uh, the way we've been taught, or maybe we pray for supper or pray in different times, what is prayer? What is it? Praying without ceasing is like breathing or having a heartbeat when it comes down to staying connected with Jesus. And we do it with the purpose and the motive in, in prayer to communicate with God specifically because I am his child. In Isaiah 64, 24, it says, I will answer them before they even call me, while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Jesus is waiting to hear from us. He said, don't babble. Just tell me what you need. Verse 8 mentions this specifically. He said, do, do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. We don't pray to tell God things that he doesn't already know. So somebody would say, well, why pray? We pray in adoration with an appeal to a loving God who wants to hear from us. He wants us to bring every need and every worry to the throne room of God. 
We do that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Uh, Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us approach God's throne of grace with boldness. We go everywhere else with boldness. You want a stake from fairway, you're going to walk in those doors, right? I need me a stake. We practice boldness and we practice confidence. He's saying the door is open for you to come to my throne of grace that you may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Anyone need to find mercy today and grace? Oh, with a crowd like this, I know there's many needs. Come to the Lord that you may find mercy and grace in your time of need. Let's get to this prayer. It really illumines a lifestyle. Not just a lifestyle of prayer, but the reason Jesus is uh, mentioning that his disciples would, would model him through this prayer, it's about a life change. If you listen to the words in the Lord's Prayer, well, let's do that. Jesus says, Pray in this manner when he mentions the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this. He mentions, he says, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The right kind of prayer comes to God as a Father, and he's in heaven, and we recognize that. There's nothing on earth that we can consider has all the power and all the glory forever. But my father who is in heaven, recognizing that we and we are and where we are and who he is and where he is, he's in heaven. Yes, it is true that God is almighty. He is sovereign and his sovereignty reigns over all things. He created all things. He governs all things. He wills all things. He judges all things. And yet he is my father. He loves you. He is my father. Hallowed be your name, which addresses our attention of prayer towards God in reverence to his name. We stand in, in awe, holy, transcended awareness that, that, that God is, is, is with us and he's, he's holy, which reveals his character. He is our spiritual father, and we lift his name. We hallowed be his name, meaning higher than any other name. 
we pray that your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. One of the prayers I love thing that I believe he's really pointing out uh, that it, the things would happen on earth as it is in heaven. There's a lot of people that need to be saved, saints. That's a prayer. That we're praying that God's will in heaven will be as it is on earth with people that don't know him. Who is he going to use? He's going to use you and me. And in reference to what he would have for us to do in ministering to other people that his kingdom would come, we continue to pray, come Lord Jesus, because there is a day that everything else would cease that we see right now. But we have the opportunity right now to minister. Someone says, oh, the world is just going to be the world. God so loved the world that he did what he gave. And he wants his children giving. Giving up resources, giving of time, and just being gentle in giving. And we pray that the right kind of, of uh, prayer has a passion for God's glory, an agenda, his name, and his kingdom, and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. As our prayers are aligned with the will and the purposes of God, we would pray as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane. As I was putting this message together, I'm just so reminded how life kind of goes like this. We're on, we're off. We're on, we're off. We're on, we're off. And Sometimes we pray in regards to our own situation. Lord Jesus, I need you to come. And then like a treadmill, we say, wait a minute, go back, go back, go back. Go back, not yet, not yet. Come, Lord. Oh, wait a minute, go back, go back, go back, go back. Do you find yourself doing that? Saying, come, Lord, but then saying, Lord, why? Because life is tough. There's so many struggles to this life. If we want to go to, through this room one by one, it'll be amazed what your neighbor is going through. You would be amazed. But this picture of the Garden of Gethsemane, the place of crushing, Jesus is speaking about the cup and his suffering, and he says to the Father, let it pass from me. But he stayed. He stayed, which is a picture for us. Don't give up. Stay in the presence. Stay in the face of the Father. He stayed in the face of his Father until he uttered these words, not my will. See, when you stay in the, in the face of God, he breaks pride. He deals with stuff that is in the way. Stay, stay, stay until we say, 
not Eric's will, but yours be done. We pray that he will, verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. I love daily bread. I'm praying that constantly, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Give us. But you notice the prayer is just not for me. The provision is for everyone, corporately. That it will include others. Lord, I want you to, to feed them, provide for them. We pray and acknowledge that it is your provision that sustains us physically, mentally, as well as spiritually. We ask today, bread of heaven, please feed me till I want no more. That we may be satisfied with Jesus and Jesus alone. There's a passage today uh, the Lord had me to look up, and it's uh, uh, Psalms 37, 25. It says, I was young, and now I am old. I'm going to ask the older folks to do something. <laughs> he said, I was young, and, and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed Begging bread, older folks, can I get a witness? In your generation, have you experienced God forsaking you? Tell the young folks. God will provide. And sometimes, young folks, it takes you to get older to understand that God will provide. That God will sustain you and me. God will provide. We pray recognizing that our sins are ever before you. Verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. What did he say? As we forgiven, as if we've already done it. Have we? Forgive us our debtors. Yes, Lord, I've done a lot of stuff. I need your mercy and grace, but forgive us our debtors? Those people who owe me? Christian debts are sin committed. We repent by confessing to God our wrongdoings. Hear me. And John, First uh, John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We have a place to come. But my debtors, they owe me. I have a question on this. How are you doing with parting of others who have offended you? How are you doing with that? 
specific pause. Because when you recite the Lord's Prayer, I believe it does give pictures in your head of maybe somebody. And so it's almost as if we pray that prayer, but we gloss over this part, right? But their faces keep showing up. Well, let's just breathe for a minute. Let's just take a, take a breath for a moment uh, and allow our souls to, to, to contemplate this uh, Lord's Prayer and pointing out some, some things that is tough, and we'll get back to it. Just, just breathe. Just breathe for a moment. Catch the fresh air of this verse. The Lord gave this to me last night. Isaiah 35, 10. Earth has no sorrow that heaven cannot heal. Breathe, y'all. Just breathe. We'll get back to that offense stuff in a few minutes. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We asked in this prayer that the Lord would deliver us is a plea for providential help of God in our daily confrontation with sin. Anybody find yourself fighting every day? I ain't talking about stuff out there. I'm talking about stuff in here. James 1, 13, 14 says, when tempted, no one should say that God is tempting me for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anybody, but each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. This passage is clear that God does not tempt us to do evil. However, God does test us in order to give us the opportunity to test and to prove our faithfulness to him. It is never his desire to lead us into evil itself. Therefore, if we resist the devil... God promises that he would flee. Then you turn your longings and your, your gratifications and your desires God's way. But, you know, the tough part of that is we have these gratifications and we have these, these desires. And, and the Lord is study beckoning us and we're looking the other way. It's hard to be delivered from something that you're playing with. It's hard to be delivered with something that you're toying with. Finding pleasure in. He mentions there is something inside of us called evil desires. He wants us to put that in check. God does test us in order to 
give us the opportunity to prove and test our faith in him. Trust God's exit plan. That's what I wrote down there. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it said, There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man, but God is faithful and who would not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I should break that down just a little bit right there. It's as if believers, I'm talking to the people of God, that we're journeying with Christ. And when he mentions temptations common to man, he's saying everybody is tried with temptation. Everybody is common to all of us, to mankind. But this passage reminds me that God has an exit strategy for his people. Imagine you and I, uh, we're, we're trusting the Lord and we're going down the highway. I'll, I'll probably use a motorcycle right now. And we're, we're going and, and we're trusting the Lord and, and we're going. And, and, and next thing you know, something comes up that ain't good and we're still going. And he says, get off the exit and we're still going. Do you find yourself doing that occasionally? You hear the voice of the Lord, but you just keep going. You know, this, this prayer, when we pray this prayer and we get pictures, we have names of people that has offended us. And so in this prayer, we don't, we don't gloss over it. We take the exit. You hear it in this verse, it said, God is faithful. How many know that God is faithful? You're going through something that's tough. You need to know that God is faithful. You got something that's pressing you down. You need to know that God is faithful. You got something that you just already said. I can't get over this. God is faithful. I want you to know that today. That God is faithful faithful. Let's wrap this up. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their transgresses, neither will your father forgive yours. Trespasses. What in the world is that going on in the Lord's Prayer? Where is he leading us to in the Lord's Prayer? To draw closer to him. Through the tough things of life, we draw closer to him. It's amazing, this prayer. It says, to the degree that you forgive others, that's the way that I'm going to forgive you. You know, when I think of having someone that, uh, that I haven't forgiven, you know what happens? I can't maximize my faith. 
Now I have limited myself as to what God can do in my life because of somebody else or because of holding on to somebody else. Let them go. Let them go. Trust the Lord. He is faithful to see us through. Let's, let's, if, he mentioned if, somebody may be, be wrestling with this right now and with somebody in your life. If, maybe I will and maybe I won't. Someone may be saying. Believers, forgiveness is required for those who have been forgiven. It's required, it's a command. And God never gives us a command without giving us the strength and the power to pull it off. God will help us through it if we would only come to him. Someone is saying, hey, man, but you don't know what I've been through. And yes, I don't know. Yes. But here's what I do know. I do know that my father left when I was two. I didn't, I didn't know. I remember asking my mother, um, where is he? Who is he? I was born in Chicago, and evidently my father lived in Chicago all those days. But my mom, uh, I, I would ask her, you know, all of these confusing little boy things. Um, she says, uh, if you want to know, honey, you're going to have to find out for yourself. Boy, do I, I love my mother. I thank God for her. Let me tell you something. If you want to know something, go find out for yourself. Don't wait for somebody else. Go find out for yourself. That's what mama did for me. But this man that left at two, I called him my, my debtor. He, he owes me. And he wasn't there. He abandoned me. He wasn't there for me. And as a young boy, I begin to live that out. Let me tell you something, uh, young folks. Honor your parents. The Lord said, honor your parents. We're looking for them to be perfect. Honor your parents. Honor your parents. They're not perfect. God is perfect. He's still working on them. But I remember just struggling, just struggling. I'm in the streets of Chicago carrying guns and, and, and drugs, selling drugs and stealing cars and in and out of jail. Just, my life was just nuts. But you know what? The picture never left my mind of my daddy leaving me. He offended me. And as I begin to struggle with a drug addiction and uh, over 20 years, over 20 years of drug addiction, one of the faces kept coming up was my daddy. Every program I would go in, they have questions about father, head, authority. And one thing I do know is when I begin to go get help for my addiction and the other things that were going on in my life, I had to approach this subject. Quit running from it, y'all. Approach the subject. Jesus is with you while you're dealing with that. I was at a promise keepers meeting 
and uh, Franklin Graham was speaking, Billy Graham's son. And he was speaking about the father that I always wanted. (laughs) But it wasn't my earthly father. I heard him articulate God in such a way that my heart began to beat fast because he was talking about the father that I always desired. He asked uh, uh, fathers and sons to come down and I sat down and, you know, hugging and, you know, the snot bubbles and forgiveness and you know, they were, and I'm turning my head like, I'm. Mean, come on, Franklin Grant, let's get to the next, you know, whatever. And then he made the call. He said, I want everybody that struggles with your daddy to stand up. Oh, oh my goodness. 63,000 men in a stadium and God was pointing me out. And by faith, I stood up. And when I stood up, I felt the hate. I felt the disappointment. I felt the shame. I felt the guilt. I felt all that this man, or I considered that he did or didn't do to me. And through that process, The Lord began to work on me. And guess who called me the week my mom passed? My daddy. I could have just told him, you know, just go on about your business, man. Don't need you right now. But the Lord had worked on that area in my life. And I went to see him. And then he was in the nursing home. And then I went to see him in the nursing home. And I would drive back and forth. My wife was like, you going again? Yeah, I'm going. My sister was like, you going? I'm like, yeah, why? Because God had did a work inside of me. He's my father. And when he passed away, I had the opportunity of eulogizing my daddy. The man that I never heard forgive me. Never heard it. But the one that held me up was my heavenly father. And forgiveness is required for for believers. All I know is we are not given the luxury of holding on to our bitterness toward other people. That's all I know. Because our faith is rich. Our faith is rich in Jesus Christ. He will supply the need if we would only ask for all that Jesus has done for me. When you approach someone else hurting you, just think of all that he has done for me. There ain't nothing that I would let go to have more of Christ. Anybody want more of Christ? You came here to experience more of Christ. But remember, when you, when you approach the Lord's prayer, he's, he's in the blessing business, but he's also in the transformation business. He don't desire to see you hurt where you are. I wrote this. Ian, do yourself a favor and forgive. 
free yourself. Get yourself out of the prison. Forgive them. We forgive them because we have Jesus to help us to forgive them, but you must approach it. We ask today, Lord, teach us to pray. And any disciple that speaks to the Lord, any believer that calls on the name of the Lord Jesus in a place of prayer, remember prayer is not one-sided. It's a place where we sit in the presence of God and we hear what he has to say. What is he saying? What is he saying right now? I know he's saying, I love you. And I sent my son to the cross for you. But what else is he saying? What else does he want me to approach? What else do I see that is hurting me? One thing I do know is he comforts his children. And he's waiting and willing. If we would only ask, that's the Lord's prayer. I ask if anyone don't know the Lord. You know, it's, it's this one, one time of realizing the state of sin. And when you says yes, he cleansed that. When you ask him. When you forgive and when you confess who I am. But believers, we carry stuff. Anybody got any weight today that you want to bring to the altar? Anybody got anything that is so heavy? I was talking to Pastor Dave before we came to this place. I'm thankful that this church have classes and places that people can go to talk through their stuff. Take advantage of that. Let's pray. Father God, we're weak. And you are strong. We acknowledge that. We ask for your strength and your help as we approach difficult things, things that are like roadblocks to what you have called for me to do. We can, we can yell at them and we can scream at them, but we must submit ourselves to you to experience your deliverance. And Lord, again, there's... We live in a world that needs you. And so many people need you. And Lord, I pray this day that you would use us. That the lost souls would be found because of you. Does anyone need to come today to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior? Does anyone need to come down and pray at this time? our opportunity to pray.